Hola. Welcome to episode 29 of Word to Your Mama. I'm ready to be. Today we have OG Chino. He's for sure family. And I was so excited to talk to him, especially because he was coming back and forth um, during this time uh, between L.A. and Colombia. So OG Chino, he was born in South Korea, formative years raised in Colombia, then the remaining of his formative years raised in L.A., embraced by the Latinos, uh, you know what I'm saying, the, the Cholo community. Um, we'll have some amazing pictures to show you all this. Um, and then, you know, via Dallas and NYC, was into the music industry in very uh, in various ways. Um, ended up being the tour manager for the Executioners. Um, been all around the world. And then we talk into we talk about how he ends up coming back to LA and opening one of my favorite restaurants, Escala, which is a Korean Colombian restaurant with the DJ booth and just a, an incredible vibe. I also want to preface this by saying we recorded this. We had this convo early on, like the first week of April. So that was before the protests, the uprising, the massacres, um, and everything happening in Colombia. So that's why we didn't discuss that. Um, but in the show notes, I will have links to um, accounts and organizations to get more information and more information on how to help um, to donate the, and help the efforts that are going down in Colombia. So yeah, listen to this amazing story by OG Chino, which I also tried to persuade him to finish his memoirs and get his story option for a movie because this story is incredible, and you only get a tidbit here. All right, man, let's get into it. Is this recording? Okay, recording. Chino, thank you yes. so much for doing this. Um, I know you. you're, you're, you're boning out, right? You're, you're about to go. Are you going back to Colombia or someplace else? Yeah, I mean, back and forth all the time. So, yeah, pretty soon I got to go back. I'm kind of like lagging right now, but I'm supposed to be there already. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm glad I caught you before your next, you know, going back yeah. out and stuff like that. But uh, before, like, at, before we start, I just like to ask everybody, how are you doing? Because I haven't seen you in a oh. long time. I haven't seen you pre-pandemic times. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what's been I'm, going I'm on. Good. How you I, been? I've been good. Can't complain. I, I haven't gotten sick. Uh, you know, I've been good. So no. Yeah. No, nothing bad on my part. So I'm good. Oh, that's good. Now your yeah, are your people you are asking. good and and Yeah, everybody's good. Escala's everybody. doing good. Escala's doing good. Was was that a hard transition to, during when lockdown oh, happened yeah. hardcore? Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, you know, uh, applying for the loans and all that stuff. You know, and then thinking you're not going to get it, you know what I mean? You're not going to get your loan, so you already Think you know? Am I gonna spend you know spend uh, my savings? You know, keep my business alive, or you start thinking those things, you know, or yeah. or is it worth keeping the business or whatever? But luckily, my my loan came through at the very last minute. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. So I was able to save the business and 
and thanks to LA and everybody that comes from all over, you know, thanks for the love and support, you know, we yeah. were able to survive. Yeah. Nice, man, because we can't yeah. lose we can't lose a scholar now. So everyone who's listening, <laughs> you know, if you're in town, support. If you're not, come through. And we'll definitely, we're going to get into Escala, but I just wanted to check on you and see how you're doing personally and, you know, and stuff like that. Um, Thank you. And how, how are you? And how's the the Bear family? The, the Bears, the bears you know, they're good. <laughs> they're good, you know, hanging in. Uh, we're getting a little stir crazy because it's been over a year, but, you know, we're out in Palm Springs, so it's been good. It's been... Palm it's, Springs, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's been it's been a blessing kind of in disguise that we were on lockdown at here. So at least, like, you know, when the shit started and you didn't know what was what, it was all kind of scary and new. It was nice to be out here where it's just kind of always been calm, regardless. Yeah. Like, the yeah. vibe here. Um, yeah. And, and you, you probably understand this i tell when people are like how do you how is it out there and i was like as a creative you know as an artist as a creative that you are as well you know that that when you're in la or you're in because you used to live in new york you know that time of at night like midnight to three in the morning where it's like the vibes close down and you can like really get in the zone yeah that's here but during the day (laughs) it's quiet like the vibes are quiet like that here and then at night it's even quieter so it's like this nice you know we needed it we needed that i mean that was the whole point of coming out here is because we needed that break but um so to to start it off i wanted to um because i don't you know we know each we know each other through through raka um Mm -hmm. you know he's officially my husband but we i hate saying that word <laughs> I've said it on here many times that when I say it, yeah. um, the rock and I say it to each other like a diss. Like you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'll be like, like something, something, husband, and he'll be like, whatever, wife, and I'll be like, Ugh. like you know what I mean? Even though it's true, it's weird. Um, but uh, like you know, I I know you through that, but I don't know you that well. I know some of your story because you're. It's a fascinating yeah. story, and I'm sure there's like. So much more that, you know, we, we probably won't even be able to get into. But, you know, I know you were born in Colombia and I wanted to find no, out. I was actually, wait, I was born in Korea. I was ah. born in South Korea. But Colombia when I was about a year, year and a half old. Ah, OK. So you're born in oh, South Korea and then Colombia. Yeah. So, and then yeah. till you're about 10 in till Colombia? About, um, yeah, 10. Yeah, exactly. I turned 11 when I got here. So 10, 10. Ten and a half, I don't know. So how was it? Like, how how was it growing up those formative years? Because those are some crazy formative years in Colombia for you. Oh, it's be- beautiful, you know. Uh, strange because, well, I didn't know it was strange until later, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, of course, as a kid, I'm not uh, aware that it was strange. But being the only Asian kids at that time in, in their world where they've never seen an Asian kid before. Uh, we made everybody like totally flip out, you know, <laughs> like the, the kids at school, I would start making fun of us, start stretching their eyes mm-hmm. out at us. Um, but I always tell everybody that, that it wasn't racist. Mm. You know what I mean? It was almost like, they look funny. They've never <laughs> seen Asians before. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't, I'm not mad at them for that because they're like innocent, you know? Yeah. 
and then once we got to know everyone, and even though we dealt with that all through our years in Colombia, being in public, people are always making fun of us. Um, having Colombian friends and knowing Colombian families, uh, we know what Colombians are like, and and that's why we were able to look through, look past that, and know that it wasn't a racist thing. Mm. Um, yeah, so for us, it was a a beautiful time, you know, good friends. Um, you know, at first we were really kind of struggling when we first got there, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, yeah, like later on, my 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 you know my my father was doing well, like as a diplomat or whatever. So we did get to live, you know, at least some years in, you know, like uh, like having a kind of like a privileged, a privileged life, yeah. we, you know, like going to the ambassador's house and hanging playing with their kids, and, you know, yeah, things like that. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it was, uh, I can't say anything bad about those times, you know? I can't say anything bad about those times. Uh, and that's why I have so much love towards Colombia now because I had such a good childhood there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And did you, because you went, you were, you guys went when you were one, was, how did you, was it Spanish and English, but Korean in the home? Or how did that dynamic work out well, with all the languages? No, there, there was no English at all, mm. only Korean in the home. Uh, my mom says that I spoke like really good Korean, like by age two, three, like by three, I was speaking pretty fluent in Korean. Um, and I still remember some of my baby Korean, you know, <laughs> uh, but Spanish was probably like the first language, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the first real language I learned that wasn't like baby language, you know, like, and our parents tried really hard to to keep us Korean and teach us uh, Korean and, and things like that. and uh, But, you know, it's it's tough when there's no Koreans there. There was only a few families there. Also, there was and more. And we only saw it. Yeah, nice. yeah. You know, of course, the other the other people that were there, for, you know, to work for the embassy, they brought their families. So um, we got together, like, on the weekends at the Korean embassy. And they had Korean lessons, ah. you know, for us kids. But all of us lived in different neighborhoods. Uh, we all had our friends, Colombian friends, back in our neighborhood. So we're like, I don't think anybody wanted to be there. We all hated being there. We're like, oh, I can't wait to get out of here and go play with my friends in the neighborhood, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there, there wasn't really too much, like, Korean unity, like, uh, outside of the embassy gatherings. You know? Ah, got it, got it. So so pretty much most just Spanish for you Spanish yeah just Spanish and, and then I would say like my brother and I who went there ahead of my sisters there's four of us my brother and I uh were taken to Colombia first mm. so my sisters came a couple years later, a few years later mm. by the time my sisters came to Colombia my brother and I were already speaking Spanish to each other as little kids and then we would make fun of our sisters in, in <laughs> Spanish because they only spoke Korean, you know? <laughs> so that went on for a while, yeah. Yeah, so Spanish was like the first real language for me, yeah. And then so and so you said till about like 10, 11, and then you got to L.A., the whole mm-hmm. family, or? 
No, it's weird. It was uh, at first, uh, like just to test the waters. Uh -huh. It was my mom, my brother and I again, and my sisters got left behind. Maybe it was a Korean thing, like boys first <laughs> and the girls got left behind. But uh, my brother and I and my mom, and we stayed at a motel in Culver City for two weeks. And during that time, I, my mom was kind of like looking at apartments. We're walking around looking, trying to find a place to live. Uh, she couldn't speak a lick of English, so we couldn't we could imagine how tough it was for her. I bet. Um, and, you know, it was Culver City, like Sepulveda for Jefferson. Mm -hmm. um, so when we walked too far off, you know, our neighborhoods got kind of hoodie and stuff sometimes. <laughs> this was 1977. Oh, yeah. Um, and then through her friends, we found a place in Carson. Uh, which wasn't, it was a nice neighborhood, but right across the park was like the projects. Um, you know, and then we lived in Carson for like three months, just my brother and I and my mom. And that was, I guess, just to test, you know, test the water, see see if we could settle down here or whatever. And, uh, and then we went back to Colombia for like two months just to pack everything up. And then that's when all of us came here, sisters. Uh, not, I mean, all of us, meaning me and my siblings, mm. uh, my parents, my mom came here to help us get settled down, basically. And then um, she had to go back to take care of my, my father never left. Mm. So she would go back and forth, back and forth. Uh, so that was the pattern, you know, and. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's odd. A lot of people are like, wow, how do you just send your kids somewhere at that age. My older sister was only 16, going like 17 at the time, going on 17. So it was like, uh, you know, 16, 14, 12, and 10, you know, that's our, our ages. And living on our own for, for a lot of that time, most of the time, uh -huh. you know? So people think that's strange, but I think the Korean mentality at that time was like, you know, our, our kids are in America. It's great, you know, like they're studying in America. But, mm. but immigrant families don't know American culture beyond what they see, you know, on, on, on TV or what they hear about. So they probably thought America was all great and safe. And, but it was but, not. You know, they didn't think. <laughs> <laughs> And think about the things that we might have got into and, and I and did get into. Yeah, know? which I want to get into because that was like one of the fascinating things. Because um, I think I learned more about you because I think you were helping dilated do something uh -huh. like negotiate something for... I don't know, South America or yeah, Latin America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. and is like, you know, I, I know how to, I'm reading this, you know, cause he has mm -hmm. a little bit of Spanish. He's like, so I just want to make sure that I'm reading this and it, 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 I'm, you know, deciphering it correctly that this is what it says. Yeah, 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 and yeah. he's like, I go, who wrote it to you? He's like, he's like, Oh, Chino. And I was like, what? And I was reading it cause I can't write like you wrote like <laughs> business, <laughs> Spanish, like on that level. I was like, Oh shit. And I was like, what? And then and I was like, what? I was like, how does he? And he like yeah. was telling me stories. And he's uh, like, oh, yeah. he's like, you don't know. I was like, I don't. So then he started sending me those amazing. I love these pictures so much of you like choloed out with the uh -huh. chola, like with your homegirl. Cho like, yeah, yeah. I need to know all of that. Like, how did uh -huh. that start? How did you, yeah. that even start for you? 
Oh man, it started super early, you know, like that's why that's why I say, wow, what, what America does to you, you know, <laughs> like like you come here a good kid, super innocent, you know. I come from the land of cocaine and marijuana, right? Right. <laughs> and then I never touched any drug or even seen it over there. And then I come here and you know, by age twelve I'm smoking weed, I'm dressed like a cholo, you know, and <laughs> that's what America does to you. Uh but yeah, it's, I don't know, it's weird. It was sort of like automatic. You know, I came and clicked with the Latino kids because I came from a Latino country. And yeah. I speak Spanish. Um, and I have no idea what what being a kid in America is supposed to be like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you, this was so like, oh, this kinda, is what it is. This is yeah. how it is. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm in ESL. Mm. So ESL is like, you know, like a separate word in jail. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, for like sure. we don't get to know the the, the American kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm only knowing what, you know, what the ESL Latino kids are doing. And and for us at that time, it was a combination of, of many things, right? It was a combination of our parents not being at home. You know, mm. they're always working. So we're all latchkey kids. So we were like, when... When school was over, we're the only ones still lingering around and, you know, um, and then American culture, you know, what was going on at the time. Being in a gang in the 70s was hot. Like, yeah. that was like, <laughs> it was like hip hop, you know, yeah. it was like, that was the thing to do. You know what I'm saying? So a combination of those two things, I think, made us get into that. And some of my friends already had family, you know, like cousins, mm. you know, older cousins that would come around, um, you know, the older guys that would come around and in cars, you know, they used to pick us up in seventh grade and show us, you know, that kind of lifestyle, you know, um, probably like grooming us, you yeah, know what I mean? Sure. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah, so it was kind of like, oh, I thought that was just, you know what we're supposed to do yeah you know i didn't think that it was uh i knew it was bad you know i knew that 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 it was weren't doing the right thing <laughs> but i didn't really know of any other choices you know what i'm saying like yeah. as far as i didn't have any other friends except yeah friends. like it was kind of like organically happened like boom speaking yeah. spanish yeah. esl oh what what are we doing yeah. <laughs> like what are we yeah. doing together right and, now right and on top of that my mom uh, was working in the sweatshops in downtown mm. on, on uh, 8th and uh, eighth and Broadway. So sometimes on the weekends, I would go with her um, and then just roam around Broadway all day until she got out of work at 5. So hanging out, walking up and down Broadway, which was nothing but cholos during that time I from bet. every neighborhood in L.A. Um, I just, well, I, was, I was like, wow that's sharp they look so they look cool because you would see 30 or 40 of them hanging out you know like, yeah. and then every story you walked into on broadway so dickies and, <laughs> you know so it just became my style like yeah you know like since then yeah and was there any resistance like maybe on on site like on at first were they like chino no. like they were just always embraced you and always took you in. Always, never always. had a. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Almost the opposite. Mm. Almost the opposite. 
almost like the different groups of kids like wanted me to hang out with them. Almost like, oh, we want to have like, you know, it's like novelty. Yeah. Yeah, we got the Asian guy with us. No, no, never. Oh, that's amazing. Never. So they just it was almost you. like, uh, like I, I amused them, you know? Mm. They were like, oh, you speak Spanish. Oh, say something, say something in Spanish. <laughs> so there's always like, oh, I get put on the spot. I got to say something in Spanish. You know? <laughs> no, no, never. So, so from, so those times, right? So did you go to college and then, or what happened in between those times? And then how did you get into like the, your music stuff and then like moving to New York? Like what was oh. that transition? Well, hip hop, you know, like when, when I was always like, um, well, people, I mean, I guess people should know that, that, that gangbangers are really into music and art. Please believe it. Please believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. when we ditched school, we we drew fake tattoos on each other's backs while the boombox was on. It was like that's what we did. We loved drawing, and you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I was always a, the music hit. Like whoever I was hanging out with, I got known as the guy that 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 brought out the boombox because mm. I was. Uh, yeah, I was like like a music fanatic, you know, like before hip hop, I was taping funk in songs, you know, I was really into funk. Yeah. So, um, so that's why I think when hip hop came out, you know, like started, first you start hearing Rapper's Delight and then Grandmaster Flash and those songs. And we really don't know that it's a different culture, you know, to, to us it's still kind of like funk, you know, it's still black music. Yeah. You know, um, but once I start finding out, the the hip hop culture like seeing things that came on on PBS at the time they would show things like Star Wars on PBS back in '83 um, I started seeing like whoa that's that's the graffiti that I've seen somewhere yeah, you know but yeah. I couldn't place it but I know now I could place it I'm like oh that's New York and it's because of hip hop they're doing that kind of graffiti. And I was like so fascinated by hip hop, got so into it that there was a time where it kind of overlapped, mm. you know, like I was in high school um, when I started finding out about graffiti and, and hip hop and, and getting into it. But I was still more, more, more in the gang thing, you know, mm. but I was trying to get out of it at the same time because I knew that that it wasn't for me. Yeah. You know, I knew that I wanted, you know, like a future and all of us did at the time, you know, you know, uh, most gangbangers that went to school during that time all kind of wanted a future. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The crazy ones that weren't at school, they were already out on the street. But if you're in high school and even getting kicked out from school to school, you, you kind of really wanted something, you know, you were expecting something better in the future. That, that wasn't like our life, you know what I mean? So, yeah. All of us, I think, were kind of going through the same thing, you know, even though like uh, some of us, some of them were like really hardcore cholos, but they all kind of were trying to go to school and, you know, like trying to see if there was something else, you know? Yeah. So I think I was going through that part where I wasn't dressing like a cholo and uh, but still hanging out with them. Yeah. So it was obvious, you know, like. So I was still getting get involved in little stuff here and there, and but I made it. You know, I made it 
through four different high schools in LA, right? <laughs> I went through all four high schools, didn't get to graduate on stage, which sucks, you know, I, I regret that. But I made it and then I made it into art school. And this was 84. Mm. Um, and that's when hip hop was more, okay, this is hip. That's when I knew this is hip hop, right? Yeah. So that's when I got so into that, that just, he just took me away to another, you know? Yeah. Like from 84 on, I think that's when when I just got into hip hop. It was like hip hop, boom. Yeah. Like anywhere someone was breakdancing or doing graffiti, I was watching, you know. Um, sometimes I would see some of my gangbanger homies at those breakdance circles like two years later. Oh, wow. I'm like, wow, you're breakdancing now? <laughs> you know, like watching, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so hip hop did a lot, I think, for LA youth at the time, you know? For sure. Yeah. And then like seeing so then- seeing being exposed, like you said, like on PBS and then with MTV and Yo MTV, like being able to see hip hop, yeah. the origins and be exposed to that. Right, right. Also the graph from over there. Like exactly. you know, we didn't have internet over like, that time, kids, you know. So it no, was like, like but no, we like, can get it. You don't understand, like right now I'm you know, I'm going to be 54 this year. Wow. I still have newspaper clippings of like when Run DMC was in L.A., uh, when the Fat Boys were first written about in the L.A. Times. Because back then it was weird. It was like, whoa, I can't believe they're talking about this in the L.A. Times. Like yeah. for, for media to cover hip hop wasn't you know what i'm saying so for me it was like a rare moment so i would clip those magazine articles and and actually keep almost like a scrapbook because i thought those were like it was just weird like wow i can't believe these guys made it to people magazine or whatever (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean now it's just like whatever but yeah back then that's how rare hip-hop was like anything that was rap related on tv if it was a commercial yeah. You would try to record it. You wanted to keep it yeah. because it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, you know, I, I have this, like, other segment, other, like, show on this show where it's me and my relative, and, and, you know, she's black, and we talk about our time in the 80s growing up and hip-hop and, you know, when we were exposed to, like, uh, you know, the East Coast stuff and, like, yeah, yeah. you know, how at that time you... West Coast hip hop was just so different, you know what I'm saying? And I liked it both, but we really love like the East Coast stuff and yeah. like being e- exposed to that and how that just impacted like it just we were uh, we're like in a big age bracket, similar age bracket. And I think though we're like in the golden times of hip hop where you saw it where it was like something new, something talking about um shit we could relate to. I always I always say this. In the 80s, it was about excess and a bunch of stuff. And I loved New Wave. And I loved, you know, the stuff happening on the pop level. But it didn't relate to my story. And it, I couldn't see people that kind of looked like me or whatever. But then hip-hop came around when it first started. And it was talking about shit happening in the streets. Shit, you know, happening to people, brown and black people. And it, and I really gravitated towards that, you know, and the elements and learning about the elements of hip hop and everyone like, you know, 
always we always talk about how we all at that time we always try to figure out how we fit in like oh can i break <laughs> like oh oh yeah, can yeah. i do graph like can i yeah. you know beatbox mc like how you know so what you were into it it did you d- try any of the other elements of hip hop or were you like how am i yeah. going to fit into this no the 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 first thing i tried was graffiti so uh you know cuz i did a lot of cholo graffiti so graffiti was my thing way before you know yeah um, so when I started seeing New York graffiti, I would try to imitate it, you know, and I would write like group names like Run DMC and Houdini and Bad Boys in graffiti letters. And I, I kept those. Yeah, I still oh, have them. That's all. amazing. Um, uh, so those were, those were like my attempts at graffiti. And then, uh, I picked up a can a few times, not, you know, because, I didn't, I didn't think like I knew what I was doing, but I, I tried to come up with a a name. <laughs> what was that right. name? What was that name? It, it was Snow. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it just came up. <laughs> it just came up at the moment. I don't know. I'll write Snow. So I started, I, I wrote Snow like in like wannabe New York letters <laughs> around my neighborhood. But that's as far as I went with yeah. the graffiti. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I you know, I, I can't say I became a graffiti writer from wanting to get into hip hop. I think I didn't I was one of those people, like most of us, that didn't feel like we had to be good at any of those things to be part of it. Yeah. Right. Like I was a fan. I, I collected records. Um so to me, just listening to hip hop and knowing it, just having knowledge of hip hop and all these groups that nobody knew about. For me, I was like, I'm on top of everybody. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like whether you know how to rap or DJ or whatever, I know more about New York hip hop than you do. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. so I felt hip hop. Like I didn't feel a need to like, you know, and then later on, you know, just because I had so many records and um, my good friend Motivate, he was our, our neighborhood DJ who went on to be Black Eyed Peas DJ and producer. Um, he was the first one that, you know, we went to go visit him and he had turntables at home and I knew at that point what hip hop was. This was 83, 84. And then uh, um, he said, hey, you want to you wanna make your mixtape? I was like, yeah, that was my first mixtape. And he said, what do you want? You want some mixing and some scratching? <laughs> I said, yeah, I want all that stuff. <laughs> you know, and then, uh, yeah, that's when I started, like, yeah, really getting into hip hop, you know, and then with watching him DJ and having records already, I was like, oh, I want to do what he does. You know, So a couple of years later, I got some turntables and, you know, uh, yeah, that's how it happened. And then when did you go, when did you move from L.A. to New York? Oh, that happened later. I, that happened in 96. Ah, in 96. 96. Um, so from like 86 to 96, well, 86 was like when I got my first pair of turntables. You know? And those weren't 1200s. It was like, you know, a Fisher turntable, <laughs> with a, a pyramid mixer or something else. You know, you put a bunch of layers of plastic on it so you can rewind the record <laughs> uh, but I was a record fanatic I, I and a hip-hop fanatic I opened a record store in 88 mm. uh, so we started working on it in 87 and opened it in 88 
uh, you know, in, in, in the hood, in, 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 in um, the Crenshaw district, like Slauson and Upper Crenshaw, West mm. Boulevard. So that was kind of like what got me uh, in the industry. You yeah. know, that was my foot in the door. Like, you know, by that time I had dropped out of art school. So no degree. I had no, 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 no career path, you know? Yeah. Um, so opening a small business was like, kind of like, ah, like, let me try this to see if it, you know, I could make something happen. It didn't happen. It was a big flop, you know, but it made a name. It like at that time, record labels in, uh, in New York were, were scrambling to find retailers everywhere, yeah. you know, to be able to sell the product. So labels like Tommy Boy and, you know, all these hip hop labels in New York when they found out about my store and that I concentrated in hip hop, they, they took care of me, mm. you know? So it was through that, that I started meeting people, networking and, and met Mike Nardone, KXLU. Yeah. He walked into my store, you know, which was way rare because, you know, we're on Slauson in South Central. You don't see a white dude just walk in, <laughs> picking up rap records. So we started talking. He told me that he has a radio show and, and I was like, oh, let me sponsor it. And mm. So we became good. I started uh, going to the radio show a lot. And he's the one that kind of introduced me. Uh, well, he's the one that recommended me to get interviewed for Rick Rubin's label, Def, Def American, when mm. he first came out. You know? So I started there as an intern. Uh, by that time, the record store, out of business. Mm. I was working at like a used CD store, all sad. <laughs> I had my own business and now I'm like stocking CDs at someone else's store. <laughs> but during that time was when Nardone was like, came through for me, you know, and, uh, and that turned into a job, my first industry job. And I, I would say within the year, because there was no one else doing promotions at the label, you know, they gave me that title national uh, rap promotions director or whatever. So, you know, it was a good feeling for a while. And so that but, that started you into the industry. That was your gateway. That started me in the industry, right? And that was '91 when mm -hmm. that when I got the job, and uh, it was '91 to '94, '95. It lasted a few years. Um, once you're working at a record label, you know that working at a record company is not what you think. You know, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of politics. Uh, yeah, it's just not not what I was what I was thinking it would be, you know. Yeah, it's 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 usually romanticized, but like yeah. for those of us who got yeah, to work I in the industry, showed, yeah. So I think my bosses kind of it showed it showed that I was just not into it. It showed in my in my work, you know. I was, yeah. You know, and uh, in bad moods and stuff too. Like <laughs> I wasn't happy. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, they have to let me go. You know, they have to let me go. And, and then I'm, you know, I, do I go back? Do I work at another record company? What do I do now? So I'm like back to zero again. And Staying competitive in these dynamic times means having the right technology at work for your small or medium-sized business. Whether your goal is to grow, downsize, or modernize, Panoply BPO provides the right combination of tools, support, and affordability necessary to make it a reality. Visit 
PanoplyBPO.com. That's P-A-N-O-P-L-Y-B-P-O.com to schedule your no-obligation consultation today. Mention WTYM and get your 13th month of service for free. PanoplyBPO.com. There is a better way. Um, after that, I got a little job in Dallas, which is weird, uh-huh. but, uh, yeah, because I had no work and no money, I ended up going to Dallas in 95, um, little job that didn't last long. It's, it's, it's a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot of details that I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> okay. But anyway, I spent a good two years in Dallas, um, and I always mention Dallas because to me it's like those two years were just as big for me as my years in LA, my years in Columbia and New York. You know, those two years, those those friends I made in those two years, mm-hmm. I still consider family, you know. Yeah. Um, but Dallas kind of gave me this boost because I was there nothing to do. Um you know, so I started kind of, you know, selling weed, you know, just kind of surviving. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I was doing good surviving. So it kind of <laughs> became almost like a playground, you yeah. know, like I'm chilling every day. So I started doing graffiti. I met another kid that does graffiti. We started doing a lot of graffiti and we kind of, we kind of brought up the art scene in the mid nineties nice. or street art there, you know, like they put us in the, the Dallas newspapers and, we made the documentaries. And so that's why I think Dallas for me is like really important. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as far as like my, my years in Dallas. Um, and then from Dallas, I moved on to New York. I didn't want to come back to LA. And that's what, from Dallas, I, that's, you know, Dallas is like the, the, the time of my life when you realize that that again, you're at zero. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm I'm 29 years old in Dallas, and I'm looking at my life now like I'm about to be 30, and I'm actually just here, just selling weed. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know. And what what else am I gonna do? I can't. I don't have a degree. I can't. I don't. I, I don't qualify for any job. Mm. And you know, when I was there, I actually tried. Yeah. You know, I would look at the classifieds and, oh, they need a design guy. But I would go and they would look at my drawings and be like, well, you're good, but where's your degree? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, what am I going to do? The only option I had was the hip hop option. <laughs> you know, so I'm calling my friends in New York like, hey, I'm thinking of moving to New York. Oh, one of my friends, Peter Kang, was working at Relativity at the time. He's the one that signed Common. He was actually managing Kanye at the time, mm. but he, Kanye wasn't signed. Kanye was a demo tape. And he had me actually working on Kanye's logo oh. at the time, you know, before Kanye fired him. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was Peter that, that, that said, oh, just move here. We got you. Yeah. He was working with DJ Honda, a lot of different artists. So, you know. I, you know, it was like, okay, I, I know I got a little bit of work. It was still a struggle. It wasn't enough to pay my rent. So, yeah, I kind of lived that romantic, you know, struggling artist life in New York. Yeah. That I always kind of in the back of my head, it's like, oh, yeah, it'll 
I want to live like that, like looking at movies. It wasn't that romantic, though. <laughs> but yeah, that like for the first couple of years, it was tough. But uh, once Peter Kang started managing the executioners, the DJ crew, and uh, his hands were full already with other artists, uh, you know, he had me start kind of taking over, you know, touring with executioners and traveling with them and all that. So I, I, I think... My good years were those years, you know, yeah. the, the, the good years were like the executioner's years. That's when I wasn't worried about rent too much. And Nice. And like on tour and like on tour, right? Were you tour manager? Tour, like, you know, yeah. Um, you know, you get to see the world for free, you know, it's. Yeah, that's not not yeah. too not too shabby. That's really good. Um, <laughs> there's a there's a section of the show where we do questions and comments from the audience. And you just answered one of the mm -hmm. questions um, from Raka, he was asking oh. to tell the story of how you ended up working with the executioner. So we got that. Mm -hmm. um, so let me start off with some, you know, now that we got that, there's a couple of questions that I think will continue the path from where you're at in, in, in your story. So the first one is, um, what was the most memorable tour that you were on? And this is from your long-haired friend, B. Kim, Brian Kim. <laughs> the most memorable <laughs> wow I think they were all super memorable <laughs> but I would say the one I think about the most when I think back yeah. is uh, uh, year 2000 with um, with uh, Souls of Mischief Ooh. yeah was that, that domestic was or world or domestic. no that was domestic but that was our our first long tour mm. like he was almost two months on the bus and i couldn't believe it when souls told me that that was their first time touring on an actual tour bus wow. because they had been around so long already yeah i yeah. didn't know that wow that's crazy yeah so yeah it was our first time meeting him um a crowded bus but by the time that tour was over boy we we're like like family it yeah, was like that well, we always talked about it afterwards um executioners and i were like man that was the best tour was with hyro you know those <sighs> and because they're like the coolest kindest guys yeah and we had plenty of adventures you know like <laughs> oh i bet i can't even imagine plus but yeah a plus. <laughs> oh, yeah a lot, a lot of things on the road a lot of you know <laughs> that's amazing um okay this one is not really a question but uh i'll read it to you it says oh chino well i don't have a question but i would like to say that i love escala it's a true Aww. representation of who he is and the cultures that he's been surrounded by from the cuisine to the vibes and interior is truly a unique place in la and i've met so many cool people spent some memorable moments in my life there from birthdays to reunions so thanks to chino for creating one of the coolest places in la to hang out with friends enjoy good food and drinks and of course for always taking good care of his friends in every way that's from our girl maricel you know i reached uh -huh. out to her because i just talked to her to the for the show and so she, you know i was like you got a question or comment she's like let me just you know good <laughs> love and oh thank you thank you that's so sweet so her mentioning that and we mentioned a little yeah. bit how did it 
So you go on tour, you're with, you know, in the music industry with all these people mm-hmm. living in New York, and then you come back. How does it, did you always have an idea for Escala? Like, where did that come from? Like, yeah. you're just a man, a creative okay. man with so many hats. <laughs> it came because, I don't I, I think, I consider myself very lucky because I think I keep, I keep hitting bottom. I, I, don't, I don't mean bottom, like I'm on drugs or anything like that, but bottom meaning that I, I end up at ground zero again over and over in my life. And it might happen again, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just saying like after executioners, well, executioners broke up, mm. you know, you know, Rock Raider passed away, rest in rest peace, in that peace. happened later. Um, they all went on to do their thing successfully. Um, but the music industry had changed by, by that time. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like if I wanted to continue doing management and I'm still, you know, doing, helping artists from our era, you know, helping artists from our era because I love them and I'm a big fan and and I became friends with many of them. Um, that's what I found joy in, you know, like if I could get Large Professor on a project, for me, that's like a big deal because I remember listening to Large Professor not knowing who he was, right, yeah. and being a big fan. And the fact that I'm doing those things meant a lot to me, but it came to an end or it came to a big, you know, slowdown. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, even trying to help Raka, <laughs> who I love so much as a friend and knowing him since before his career, you know, even trying to help him out and finding so many obstacles yeah, because because the hip hop was our hip hop. You know what I'm saying? At a time when the youth is not paying homage to that, they're not trying to learn about who came before them. Um, Our old school pioneers are dissing the youth. They're not trying to embrace them either. Yeah. So it's like a big gap, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I found myself lost in that gap that, I can't, I don't qualify to work uh, uh, in the hip hop industry anymore. Yeah. You know, at my age, I can't go back to a record company and ask for an A&R job or, you know, they're looking for the young, fresh guys that are looking for the young, fresh talent, you know? So what do I do? So I'm in New York again (laughs) with no work. My rent's going up like crazy, (laughs) you know? And so what do I do? I'm I'm again at, at zero trying to figure out what to do with my life. And that's when I started going harder on my own artwork. I was like, well, I've always managed other people. Let me manage me and do my artwork or whatever. And and that's why I was coming to LA more because I was thinking the art scene is more here. Let me try to, you know. Um, and, you know, thanks to you, <laughs> people like Chaz noticed me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not that I'm somewhere in art now, but... To me, that's success already. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I've I've never had an art show for myself, but my idol knows who I am. And that's, that's <laughs> you major. know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's success then, for sure. And he gives me props for my art. And he pushed his when I see him, he's like, Where is what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And thank you to you. You no know, no problem, man. Like I was like, you guys should know, yeah. and to have him come to your place and <laughs> just hype you up. Like good people should know good people, yeah, yeah. you know? So those moments were kind of making me 
uh, feel more confident about, okay, maybe I could have an art career. But during this time, my sister, who's always been like kind of like my second mom, because like I said, we grew up on our own. So my oldest sister was the one that, that you know, picked me up when I got arrested. And, you know, <laughs> she was like my mom, right? Yeah. Even though we only have a six, six year difference. But when she sees me at zero again, she's like, okay, I'm going to hook you up with my boy uh, who has that space, the Scala space. But his bar was going out of business. Mm. So he wanted to basically partner up with somebody to bring something else. And he saw that Koreatown wasn't Koreatown anymore. You know, he's an old school Koreatown guy, OG K-Town, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So he lived that life in K-Town and he knows that that's over. So he knows he needs to bring somebody that's not... You know, the Korean, you know? Yeah. Um, he saw the evolution so happening. Yeah, that's why my sister said, oh, talk to my brother. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was already, like, you know, doing events in New York or whatever. like. And that's how that's how Escala happened. But it, it happened because I, I saw the bar. Uh, you know, I didn't have the money to start a business on my own. But boom, here I got someone that's helping me invest. I got my sister helping me invest. So it's, it's safe, yeah. you know? So I'm like, okay, I could give up New York for this, you know? Um, which was sad, you know? Giving up New York was sad. <laughs> I but, bet. But I'm coming back to my old neighborhood, you know? Koreatown is where I grew up at, you know? So it's something brought me back here, you know? Like things in life sometimes happen because they're meant to be. Yeah. Like the and, right, it had to be the right thing. And it seemed right. like this was the right thing. But the thing is that... <laughs> Escala blessed me with more than what I expected, mm. you know, because I didn't know what I was, I don't, I've never had a restaurant, never wished to have one. Um, so for me to have been able to maintain this business, of course, with the help of managers and friends that helped me when I don't know anything, um, but learning a whole new industry, you know, yeah. that I never knew about. And at the same time in the process, I, I was able to do it, do me, you yeah. know, like, like Maricel said. Yeah, be authentic. You were authentic. You weren't trying to be yeah, in the industry and do what I, other people do. I got to bring the hip hop into it. Got to. You know what I yeah. mean? So that, that was like the first thing I was like thinking, oh, where, where's the DJ booth going to be? <laughs> Before the menu, I had no idea. The menu was the very last thing. Oh, really? so basically, I'm thinking parties. I'm thinking ambiance, <laughs> you know, sound system. <laughs> I, I didn't want to think about the kitchen. That was the very last thing when under pressure, I had to come up with a menu. Mm. But before that, before I decided on Colombian and Korean, I went through thinking burgers, all kinds of mm. random things. So the Colombian Korean thing, you know, people were like, whoa, that's genius. How did you think of that? But I'm like, <laughs> I was under pressure and I, People had money on me. So. <laughs> That's crazy because I, I thought that was like from jump. You were like, oh, yeah, Korean, Colombian. It's no brainer. No, it was when my sister was yelling at me. Like she was actually like really mad at me. She was really mad at me. So we're having an argument, basically. And me fighting back, I was like, you know what? Let's do Colombian and Korean. Okay, that's our favorite foods. 
And then she's like, okay, fine. Do what you want. That sounds good. <laughs> so it was like something I said during an argument <laughs> that made sense. You know what I mean? That Total made sense. sense. And then, then I started thinking deeper, you know, like, wow, this is actually what we grew up eating. You know, we grew up uh, eating Colombian food and trying to make our mom make Colombian food for us, which she always failed. So her attempts at Colombian food were Korean Colombian food. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it made sense in the end, you know. And even the name Escala, you know, the first two, three weeks we opened, I still had no name. Oh. We had customers coming in asking, so what's the name of this place? Like, I don't have a name yet. Um, Escala was also under pressure. You work well you know, under pressure, Chino. Is that what you're telling us? I'm very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Escala was when my mom called me. And we only, you know, growing up here, um, we would see my mom during her layovers when she was traveling in Korea all mm. the time. You know, she would, you know, she would run merchandise, uh, you know, like clothing, things like that from Korea to Colombia. You know, that was her business, you yeah. know, so she would go to Korea a lot. So she would call us and say, oh, tengo escala en Los Angeles, meaning I have a layover in L.A. So when she called me while I was working on escala and she said, oh, tengo escala, that's when I said, oh, that word kind of uh, sounds cool. And it makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's how everything kind of clicked into place. The logo I didn't have any logo. So people were like, where's the logo? They knew I do logo. So yeah. where's the logo? Where's the logo? Um, so I, you know, I used to do that little character as a graffiti character. Yeah. Um, so I, I just did my little graffiti character and cleaned it up and that became the logo. It's so all everything perfect. just kind of fell into place, but nothing, nothing was planned. Nothing was really planned. It wasn't planned, but it all worked out and it's yeah, all all authentic. And I think that's yeah. why it fits. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's not, you're not faking the funk. It's all authentic and you feel the vibe there. Like, it's like someone that loves, you know, the people you brought in to DJ and, you know, the just... I'm telling you, I, I've been one when you when you guys post or B Kim's always like posting because he goes to your shit no matter what. And he's always posting food all the time. It's killing me. It's killing us out here because in Palm Springs, we don't got that the good good over here. And so, like, you know, I was like, oh, I can't wait to go back to Escala because I like my favorite thing. People coming into town. Um, and they're like, oh, where would she eat? And I was like, oh, go to Escala. Or I want to take them to Escala. Yeah. And because I want to show them that, yeah. what's it called? That plank? Oh, yeah, the, the, the picada. Oh, my God. It's yeah. like this gorgeous wooden plank. And it has like the mixture of both and just all these meats. And uh, it's just so good. And I just, it's just, a, it's a, there's a lot of good memories there. You were awesome enough to, to like let us do that thing um, for the ladies a love project, oh. you know, oh. and then um, the first time Chaz and Christina came and they came with that, um, the Japanese chola oh, girl. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was for <laughs> that um, that thing that Raka put together, helped put uh -huh. together and and, um, and Alice yeah. and stuff, they were part of that. And Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the Marley. Yeah. Uh, the Marley yeah. And then, but, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. those are things that that's why I was saying I didn't expect it to to be more than what I you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
So I, I'm so thankful, you know, for all those things because it's like now I can look at the place like almost like a, like a creative open space for somebody, right? Like yeah. even now we got chef pop-ups, we got DJs, we got people performing, we have live art and, you know, so it's like anybody that can do that use the space for something you know if if it makes sense you know i i i like for that to happen you know yeah it's like a it's like a like a physical kind of manifestation of like all different parts of your life yeah (laughs) (laughs) but the beautiful thing is that that people get it like as 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 weird as it is you know like it it seems like people get it you know like you get hip-hop people that come in there and eat Colombian food, Korean, you know what I'm saying? That, that you know, which has something, it has nothing to do with their world maybe, but they still love the food. And then you got Colombians that come over there during a Sunday brunch when the hip-hop music is popping and, and girls are twerking. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they enjoy that atmosphere, you know what I'm saying? So it's like a, a crazy mixture of people that I never thought would mix, but it, but it works. It but works. somehow, because it's, you know, I, I think the people that come to Escala, like, just want to have a good time, you yeah. know? And and I love the sound of, of them having a good time, you know? Yeah. And when you hear people, people yelling because they're having a good time, it's a beautiful noise, you know? Yeah. It's like a cultural well, exchange or something. Like, yeah. you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, you, you come in from one thing, you get to experience oh, yeah. all these yeah. other things. Like, it's really oh, yeah. I've great. I've seen the, the most beautiful things, you know? I've seen, like, the nerdy Koreans that are at the table <laughs> and you know, the black girls that are like, well, come on, get up. They pull <laughs> yeah. them out and next thing you know, they're dancing, grinding on each other. And different worlds, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Different Colliding, coming together. Because that's what that's what you are as a person. Like, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? You're yeah. like everyone's multi-dimensional and all this shit. But you are crazy, like so many things be and that's why I was so excited. I was like, I when I first thinking, like, who is my who are my guests that I wanna have like this first year of this podcast? Cause it's about, you know, people I know and love that are part of that are familia in one way or another, whether they know it or not. And I was like, I have to have OG Chino on here because your story is so crazy, but it's also in a weird way, like universal because, you know, I talk about like the nonlinear career path. And if you're a creative, you're just a creative and it can just, yeah, you, you, you weaved, bobbed and weaved into so many different, you know, industries and, and, and career career paths and I feel like it, it just goes to show that you know you, like you do you do you you do well under pressure because if people don't understand that are listening to this most people that are listening to this probably understand but a lot of people don't to be a tour manager <laughs> that's under pressure like you know what I'm saying to be responsible for a bunch of grown ass motherfuckers oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, yeah exactly ba- babysitting babysitting on another know? level <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, like, you know, that all makes sense because, you know, you going into the food, you know, yeah. to the to the uh, restaurant industry. That's like a crazy industry where the, the statistics say like a certain huge percent of businesses failed their first year. And here you are still thriving, still surviving after a pandemic and shit. I mean, I think that speaks volumes. And, you know, so many people I, I've talked to are excited 
for when they can go back to L.A. or it can be safer and it could be like full blown how it used to be, especially which I've never been to, but I've always wanted to is your brunches. Mm -hmm. That's when it seems like they go off with (laughs) you open the wall, you know, the wall panels and it's like on the table twerking and like line dancing and it looks amazing. So I'm excited for that shit. Yeah, we can't wait either. And (laughs) no, again, like thanks to everybody, you know, like, you know, the people that that, that just come with Scala, I'm just so thankful to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot of times I feel like bad. You know, when, when someone comes to Escala, like, I feel like, why'd you come here? Like, <laughs> now I feel like, you know, like, I feel like I got to do something for you. <laughs> oh, man. No, but I, I'm seriously, like, I really care about the people that come there and, and you know, and, and appreciate that they come there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let me continue with, there's a couple more uh, questions, comments from the audience. <clears throat> Next one. Are there any Colombian artists, visual or musical, that we should be checking for? And that's another question from Raka. Oh, visual. Oh, visual, definitely. Uh, well, one, my, one of my favorite artists, uh, Stinkfish from Bogota. Okay. Uh, yeah, Stinkfish, you know, like stink and then fish. Mm-hmm. You guys can look, look for him on, on Instagram or whatever. But... Yeah, the, his, you know, not only is he like a graffiti king in Bogota, but his art, beautiful, you know mm. what I mean? And, and and a lot of what I love about it is like very inspirational to kids. You know, he does a lot of kids' portraits oh. and uh, and does these patterns that come out, radiate out of their faces, almost like some kind of energy, you know? And, and when you're in Bogota, you see, you always see kids either taking pictures in front of one of those or they're really like looking at one of those. I, I think he, and I think that's what he means to do. Mm. So that's why I love his art that much. Like I think he touches a lot of the young kids in, in Bogota. Um, Franco is from the same crew, APC. Um, uh-huh. APC stands for animal power crew. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so that that's the, and I'm not just shouting them out because that's the crew that kind of invites me to paint with them. And, <laughs> you know, they consider me part of that crew. Um, I'm not just shouting them out because of that, because I was really fans of them before I even got to know them, you know. Um, besides that, it's just so many, like, vi- especially on the on visual arts, I think that Colombia is just killing it, you know. Like, yeah, the arts in Medellin is crazy. Um, I think pretty soon the world's going to start seeing it, you know? The yeah. problem is that that sucks for Colombia is that the government's so tough on them as far as getting out of the country, uh. you know? Getting visas to go anywhere is really tough. So they're famous in Colombia, but it's kind of hard to, you know, kind of get get outside of that. To go to, like, to do, like, a powwow or, like, something else exactly. where they can, like... Because mm-hmm. they have internet, but it's not the same as, like... A piece, a physical piece where people always pass by and be like, oh, who's that and stuff. What what I do for this, I'm going to have have all the stuff you talk about in the show notes. So I will put their handles in the show notes uh, so that everyone has access to that. Uh, Let's see the next one. Oh, the final one. Let me see here Mm -hmm. from from Raka. OG Chino's family. That's my brother. 
He's one of the most solid people I know, and I have nothing but love and respect for him as a creative and an entrepreneur. I'm sure there'll be a movie about his life one day. So on that <laughs> note, who's got the rights to your to your life? Have you optioned it? Where, where are we at in that process? And if you're not anywhere, when are you going to start, Gino? We need this. Um, well, it's funny because I've always been... Uh, thinking about writing my memoirs and I actually have started because uh, a lady who I consider my second mom, aside from my sister being my second mom, a lady named Elaine Kim first wrote my, put my life story in a book back in 94. Um, it's called East to America and it was 38 Korean American life stories. Ooh. But little did I know that that book was required reading, required reading in Asian American studies programs in a lot of universities. Oh. Like later that later I found out that Elaine Kim herself is the authority of Asian American <laughs> studies and she's a super you know what I yeah, mean? In the yeah. yeah, in that in the literacy world, she's super known. So it's an honor to know her and, and call her a friend. But after that book, I got to do a lot of uh, uh, readings at different universities and things like that. And and then that's when I started realizing that, yeah, like, wow, people actually want to hear this. They like the story. And Elaine has always pushed me to write my memoirs and, and stuff. So I work on it, mm -hmm. you know, like sometimes, you know, and, and then I've, I've, I've enjoyed writing. I, I like writing. Like even when I was a kid, you know, at school, I was always the best writer in my class and, you know, so when I do get to writing, I like writing. So, but it takes a it takes a lot of inspiration before I get to like <laughs> write something. But I don't know. That's something that I work on, and I think it's more for myself. Yeah. Just like for me, like when I think about certain memories, I I want to write them down, and and I write them in a in in order. So it is like a memoir. In English or in Spanish? But what are you writing? In, in English, I write in English. But as far as like. I had never really thought about like, okay, this is going to be a, a book and a movie, you know, mm -hmm. like if it gets to that, great. But for now, it's just kind of like, I don't want to forget things, Yeah, you know, Yeah. especially when I have a few, few drinks, I start thinking of things <laughs> and oh, I gotta, I can't forget this one, you know. <laughs> so, so something started and we'll see cool. what happens. It would, be, it would be cool. I mean, if, you know, I, and, of course, I'm not going to be mad at that if someone says, hey, you know, like I want to do a movie about your story. I'm not going to be mad at that. Of course, it'd be, a, it'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. But it has to be the right. Don't get don't let it go into the wrong hands. Yeah. I don't think you will do that. But just jump. Just put it out there the, yeah. in, in the ether. Like it has to be with the right people, <laughs> with the right company that has the, the budget, because you got to have the real music in your story. The, the real it has to be the real fucking yeah. songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think no, you would want true. anything less. That's true. I, I don't. I don't want it to be like an after-school special. No, you know? <laughs> exactly. Or a lifetime movie. No, 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 no. We need like the real bread to get the real songs, yeah, and like yeah. it has to be visually stunning. I mean, because if you think about it, to tell your story, all the locations you're gonna be at, 
the potential, yeah. like, I mean, you could condense the story to fit into the format. It could be a series or, you know, so you could really get into the nitty gritty, maybe like a limited series or a movie, but like the locations on the, just the visuals alone, like being in Colombia, like being, you know, recreating those, t- yeah. those Cholo years oh, of LA and the fashion. Oh, I'm just like, it's, I want you to do it now, but you'll do it when you do it. But I can't wait to see it. Like, I think people need to know, you, you know, we're right, right now we're in that uh, golden age of where everyone's looking for, you know, unique stories of, you know, black people of color, indigenous, you know. And I feel yeah. like this is that plus next level because your story is so unique and it intersects so many different areas you know yeah. so i feel like yeah man get that get that done or get with someone dope or someone listens to this you know or you know uh hey. and is excited <laughs> about it and you know because there's articles and stuff and you know but like a culmination of all that plus your own history and stories that you want to tell i think it, it would be it would be amazing. Okay, let's get into, since we're limited on time, let's get into a few, not all of them, but the not-so-rapid-fire questions, the a.k.a. slow-as-hell questions. I'm going to do oh. just a couple and not okay. the whole list. First one, three words to describe yourself. Wow. Me, myself, <laughs> and I, I don't know. <laughs> there it is. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> <laughs> good one that's the quickest that's the quickest i ever got it um <laughs> you've lived multiple lives already and you still have so much more to live what's the best piece of advice you've received so far best piece of advice i've received so far mm-hmm. oh my mom's advice don't get into any confrontations <laughs> yeah yeah Yeah. sometimes it's better just walk away yeah that's that's solid advice because there's a lot of people that don't know how to and she always said don't ever do anybody wrong always do right that's real because karma karma's a bitch and she's Mm -hmm. ready she's ready (laughs) um this one is very important. I ask everyone this one, but I for sure couldn't skip it with you. What song do you go? What's your go-to song to get you hyped? Like when you need it, when you need that boost. Probably my favorite song ever, which is Knee Deep, Funkadelic. <laughs> and it's 15 minutes long. So there's like a lot of hype time. <laughs> Yeah. So you being a fan and you mentioned it before that before hip hop, you know, you're listening to a lot of, you know, funk and, you know, parliament and stuff like that. So I already had man one on here and he tells his story (laughs) about um, how Overton Lloyd calls him at four o'clock in the morning to go paint slice uh, stones RV with George Clinton. In L.A. So he tells that story, right? And I've asked Overton because Overton, Man One, and Gustavo and I, we would paint live all the time. We were like in this live painting group back when I first started. So Overton's a good friend. And I was like, Overton, I miss you. 
you know, come on this. You have mad stories. I want you to come on here. And he was like, well, no. He's like, he said he gets like a little nervous. I go, it's not live. Like it's recorded. Um, So I just wanted to, you would love that, right? Like we would all love to hear those stories. So Overton, if you're listening again, someone gave you bad advice that you have to only come on (laughs) when you have something to promote. It doesn't matter. Your history, you're a living legend. You need to come Mm -hmm. on here and tell your stories. Um, so yeah, um, before we leave, I wanted to say one of my favorite memories, you, people don't know, people might not know that you and Raka have the same exact, like same birthday. Yeah. Same birthday. June 18th. <laughs> and so we had, you know, we had the supernatural bear. So we hadn't done like gone out just us two in a while. It'd been a couple of years that he was, I don't know, he was like three or something. We were still living in LA. So we're like, this is when Roy Choi was at the line hotel. So mm-hmm. He like hooked us up with the room. We were like, okay, we'll have dinner, blah, blah, blah. And it was for his birthday. I think it was on his birthday, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I think something was happening with Tristan was happening. Some event was happening too at the same time. And 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 Ginger Snappers, aka Shane Jessup, was like, What are you guys are you guys doing something for a rocket? I was like, nah, we're just here. Like we may go downstairs. I think someone was spinning at the line, you know how it was happening all the time. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, I think we'll just like somehow it just all aligned do you remember that and it was your it was your birthday Rocker's birthday and we just all at this it was like alice shane me rock like a bunch of people we just and tristan and we all just went to escala and then like you shut the doors and we were just like celebrating your oh, birthday yeah. <laughs> it was that's probably thanks to alice that's she's always banging on the door when we're closing <laughs> Shout out to Alice. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great night. It was just like, you know, those nights when it's just not unplanned and it's just, it just happens and we just ended up, and then we were able to celebrate both your birthdays. Yeah. It was just like, it's just good stuff, man. You, I love your energy. I love your story. Thank you so much for doing this, Chino. Thank you. you. We love you. And, you know, I, I can't wait for shit to open up some more and we'll definitely have to go and 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 celebrate and and have all the good food and and just be with you That's and all nice. the peeps you know and it you know yeah. what'd be great too because we haven't i keep in touch with them just to check on them but we haven't seen chaz and christina since they were here to visit one time before pre-pandemic so it'd be great to you know everybody just yeah, meet yeah, up man. at escala and just yeah, you know and stuff like that so that would be Let's great, man. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Chino. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on this. <laughs> and we need now that I story. I feel more hype about getting my book done. Yeah. I feel more hype. <laughs> yeah, we need it. People are going to listen and be like, what the fuck? And, and also, when I like look up your pictures, because I love... Yeah. Do you have more? You probably have more than... No, I, no probably a couple more. Uh I, may, I don't know. I, I got to keep looking. But no, as far as I know, my homegirl, Sad Eyes, rest in peace. Uh, she was the one that took most of those pictures. For some reason, she had a camera on her at all times during that era when no one, you know, we didn't take cameras to school, you know. Yeah. And 
So I, I regret not having a lot of those photo photographs, but I'm glad that those few do exist. Exist because yeah, kids, listen, we didn't have phones, let alone <laughs> cameras on our phones. And when we had to take pictures, you had to take them, take them someplace to get developed. Like it was a whole yeah, fucking you had to thing. Ask your mom for some money to get them things developed. Exactly, you know? <laughs> it wasn't cheap. And it was a lot of it, a lot of involvement. So those yeah. seeing those, they're just gold, man. Like it's a certain era, and um, yeah. you know, just just loving that culture, growing up in it too, and seeing pictures from that time. It's gold. So I'm gonna look for some of them, repost some of those, so they could see. Chino. Yeah, and I'm gonna dig around and send you what I yeah, have. Yeah, that would be dope. Yeah. All right then, Chino. Gracias. Right. Muchísimas gracias. Right. You guys stay safe in the Palm Springs. You too. And safe travels back to Colombia. And um, we'll you. see you hopefully in a couple of months or something or so. We'll we'll go and we'll see you. Or if you come out this way, you know, we're here for you. All right. I will go visit. Okay. Thank you, guys. Gracias. Bye. Have your kids been in a house playing video games in your space way too long? Now you can get them outdoors and still be social while social distancing at the skate side after school and group skateboarding classes. Skate students get to improve their skating and decompress after a long day or week of school. This program is awesome for beginners to get started or advanced skaters to take their skills to the next level. Go to theskateside.com and learn about our COVID-safe programs in Santa Monica, Culver City, Glendale, and South Pasadena. That's T-H-E-S-K-A-T-E-S-I-D-E dot com. The Skate Side. More kids skating. And now, introducing the Supernatural Bear Corner. Supernatural Bear. Hello, everyone. I am the Supernatural Bear on the SMB Corner. And um, today, we're going to talk a little bit about OG, my theology, Chino. Yeah. So, um, he was raised in Colombia, if you guys didn't know that, but you probably did, because in the interview part, although I didn't hear any of that. Um, and he speaks better Espanol than the person who is right next to me right now, Ritzy P, or my mom. He speaks better than my mom! And he has, like, this Korean and Colombian, um type of restaurants, like a fusion kind of, you get what I mean if you've heard of Steven Universe, um, and it is found in Koreatown, it is found in Koreatown, so yeah, go check it out, help him make a few bucks, and I've never tried this food before, but hopefully if I ever go to Koreatown, I will get to try his food, yeah. That's pretty much all you need to know. Just like a a quick origin story, a quick recap. Yeah, this has been the SMB, signing off. Shooby-doo.
there it is. OG Chino. I told you it was going to be a crazy story. It was a crazy story. I can't wait. I hope he's like really into writing this and I hope someone hears this or, you know, I know he's been on a different podcast recently to um, just make this into a movie. We need this story. Just like I said, I want to see all the costumes, hear the real music, but especially the cholo phase. Please check out our Instagram account and I will be posting um, in between the episode announcement and the quotes uh, um, post that I do. I'll I'll post some of his um, artwork, some of the food, uh, probably and especially, you know, one or two of uh, his Cholo days um, situation that um his homegirl, Sad Eyes, took R.I.P. Sad Eyes. So we'll definitely have that. Um, I wanted to, oh yeah, I wanted to also say, if you're in the Los Angeles area, please make sure to go and support Escala in K-Town. I'll have a link to that for sure. And the thing we're talking about, the picada, you can get it for four people or for six people. I highly recommend this. Um, it has Colombian chicharron. It has Korean BBQ short ribs. has Colombian chorizo. It has um, spiced chicken wings, platanos, grilled onion, fresh pineapple, street corn. It has Colombian native potatoes. has heirloom cherry tomatoes and it has arepas i mean it's a smorgasbord of amazingness in your mouth plus everything else that they have um good drinks and uh good vibes with with the music being played uh different djs all that stuff so yeah make sure you go to escala in k-town la also, thanks again for supporting this. Um, there's different ways for you to support. Leave a review. That's free. You know what I'm saying? People can find out about this podcast by getting more and more reviews. So let's get to it. Let's add uh, some more reviews on there. Also, you can donate directly. You could also do the Patreon. Paid, become a patron uh, via Patreon. We have a, I'll have a link to that. Uh, we have stuff in the store, uh, enamel pin created by the Supernatural Bear, enamel pins created by me. A lot of different ways to support. Let's, you know, continue to support these diverse voices. And yeah, tell your peeps, tell your friends. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And once again, as always, we reap. Word to Your Mama is owned and produced by Ritz P. The intro is produced by Nico Beats. And as always, Word to Your Mama is brought to you by RitzyPeriwinkle.com and Panoply BPO 